Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Amen. So beautiful. Do you guys believe those words? Do you believe those words that we just sang out loud? I hope you do. If you don't know Jesus yet, man, I hope I can tell you all about him. You guys go ahead and take a seat. Thank you for being here with us tonight. And thank you, worship team, for leading us um, in song. Uh, can we just give them a round of applause? Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight, guys. All right, take a seat. Take a seat. Everyone's trying to huddle to the back when there's like a million open seats over there. Radical. That's awesome. <laughs> What's up, Citizens Youth? Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, my name's Noah. I'm one of the uh, leaders here at Citizens Youth. And uh, if you don't know it, Wednesday night is the best night of the week, all right? Wednesday night's the best night of the week. And so if you're brand new here tonight, I'm super glad that you joined us. I'd love for you to uh, connect with someone at our Connect table. Our new Student Connect table's right out front. Uh, we give you a gift. We tell you a little bit more about Citizens Youth. If you've been here for like two or three times, but you haven't gotten a gift yet, I would love for you to uh, get one as well. So welcome. I'm super glad that you're here. All right, we're continuing on in our series in Acts for our series that we're calling The Spark. Something awesome happens uh, here in the first century. We see the people of God empowered by the Spirit of God to go do the works of God. That's exactly what happens in Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles through the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And some amazing, awesome things happen. And tonight's passage, I believe, speaks to the heart of every single person in this room. I believe that every single heart, every single person in this room desires what is on the next couple verses that we're about to read. Every single person, everyone, I I promise you, regardless of where you're at in life, where you're at, regardless of your relationship uh, to uh, the church or citizens or whatever, every single person desires what we're about to talk about tonight. And that word that we're going to talk about tonight is koineia. What? What? It's a Greek word. All right, gotcha. Koineia. Koineia is a word that means and translates to a few different things. In English, we would say it means fellowship, but it also means generous or generosity. It also means togetherness. It's one word, so it's a, it's a Greek word. It means all those things kind of collectively in English. And I promise you, every single person in this room wants koineia. All right? Say it with me. Three, two, one. Koineia. All right, that's the Greek word for fellowship and also uh, generosity. Super cool. We're going to talk about it tonight. Okay, so where are the church kids in the room? I mean, I guess technically all of you. I mean, you grew up in church. Raise your hand. Like you were born. Yes, I love it. I like to see it a lot. It's okay if you weren't. Um, I was born on April 4th, uh, 1997, and about like maybe five or six days later, I was in church as like an infant. So I've been in church my whole life. And growing up in the church that I was in, we had um, our lobby was called Fellowship Hall. I know, so cute, right? I thought it was really weird that they named it that. Fellowship Hall. I'm like, why can't we just call it the lobby? Because it sounds more Christian if we say Fellowship Hall. And so every single week I grew up, I, you know, I, I, first I couldn't walk and then eventually I could walk and then I could uh, terrorize everyone else in Fellowship Hall after, you know, the gathering got out. And so uh, for me, I grew up with my friends going to youth group on Sunday mornings and then we would go and hang out in Fellowship Hall, as you do. And you fellowship 
with other people. And when I think of the word fellowship, I think of that space, and it was pretty ugly. Like, it was like green carpets everywhere. No offense to these green carpets, but like, they were worse than this, right? They had, uh, well, I got really hyped for this. They had Dunkin' Donuts every single week, and me and my friends would get there before, and we would take pretty much all of the glazed Dunkin' Donuts, and we'd like put them in napkins and be like, they'll never find us. You know, we go like hide somewhere and like eat all the donuts, right? So when I think of the word fellowship, I think of like a space like that. I think of spaces where hokey kind of potlucks kind of happen. I think of a place where people are awkwardly stand around. Moms are talking and dads are just kind of sitting there, you know? Like that's what I think of when I think of fellowship, right? I imagine like that kind of hokey Christianese words. It's like forced awkward conversations over coffee or some sort of weird conversation with someone that you don't really know. And it's like, this is fellowship. And it's like, do I want this? Right? That's what I think of when I hear that word. But the, the word that is being expressed tonight, that word koineia, the word for fellowship, it's something that every single person in this room desperately wants. It's something so much more meaningful and so much more awesome than the ideas that we have in our minds sometimes when we think of fellowship. The early church was committed to one another to the core. When the Holy Spirit arrives on the scene like we've been reading about, it changes everything. And there is a universal connection, a koineia between the people of God that is modeled for us today and something that every heart in this room wants. Every single person in this, heart wants, in this room wants that. We need to do life together and we want to do life together. Read this text with me from Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. There's that word that we've been talking about, koinea, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing all proceeds to all as had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Koinea, fellowship, connectedness, generosity. It's a picture of the church. This is a picture of what we want our church to be like. This is a picture of what we want citizens, youth to be like. If you want this, if you want this koinea, if you want this connection, I'd encourage you in the next few minutes, listen up. Put any distractions you have away. It's not worth it. It's not, you have plenty of time to be on your phones. You have plenty of time to talk to people. But I want you to focus in, meditate on these words, think about these words as we go through it together. God, help us in this moment to listen to your word, to receive your word with gladness, to understand what you are speaking, to understand what you are saying through your word. God, I pray that every single person in this room would recognize their desire and their need to do life together, the need to be a part of this community, the need to be a part of a Christian, Christ-honoring, uh, Bible-loving group of people, Lord. God, I pray that this would be a conviction that we feel now and we hold for the rest of our lives. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so the Spirit of God unites the followers of God here in the beginning of the church. We see last week that 3,000 people 
were added to the congregation. 3,000 people, all right? This is no small tax. It's like three of these rooms. Think of this room and then another room and then another room and just like this massive arena. And that's all, all the seats filled are now a part of this church. And all of these people are now together. We can't overstate the miracle of this alone, right? We can't understand, like, overstate the miracle alone of what verse 42 and verse 43 are saying. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the group, the koinea, the thing that is connected, the thing that is generous. They connected to that, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul and many wonders. In verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. 3,000 people. I bet if I got a group of five people together after gathering and I was like, all right, I'm going to take you out to eat, but you have to pick. I don't think we would decide for about 20 minutes with like five people, right? I want Chick-fil-A, I want this. Okay, let's say it's not after gathering and all the restaurants are open, right? Like, let's say it's Sunday morning after church. I got like a small group of people around and I said, okay, you guys decide, you guys pick. All of a sudden, I want this. No, I want that. Chick-fil-A's closed. Oh, no. Right? No, I want Taco Bell. I want this. And there's just going to be bickering. There's going to be fighting. 3,000 people, all of one accord, all of one mind, devoted to one another. That's a miracle, right? There's all these other miracles that are happening, but that is something absolutely incredible. We can't overstate that simple fact. God's spirit-filled church commits to each other. They commit to one another. They commit to one another and they, they realize and they recognize that they need to be connected. Verse 43, and all came upon every single soul. So many times in, in the Christian faith, we try to like guilt ourselves into doing things for God. We try and guilt ourselves into reading the Bible. We try and guilt ourselves into going to church or we feel some sort of obligation. We promised our mom and dad we would, but we walk in dragging our feet thinking, man, I don't really want to be here. And I'm here to tell you that I can't like convince you. I can't be here in this moment right now. I can't guilt you. I can't try and convince you. The early church here, they are committed to the mission because they're absolutely all stricken by God and his goodness. They're absolutely shocked by the awesomeness of God that motivates them to be on mission for God. And I can tell you about how awesome God is, but it's not until the moment you recognize how awesome he is for yourself that you'll be motivated and want to join in on this community. It is the awesomeness of God and all came upon every single soul. Acts 2, a spirit-filled people so stricken by all that they can't help but think of God first. They can't help but think of the body of Christ first. They can't help but be on mission for God. It's an overflow of their love for Jesus. It's not some sort of obligation. It's not someone waving you down saying, hey, join the drama club. And then you don't go to a meeting and you feel guilty. No, it is the overflow of love for Jesus and his word that motivates these people. It is the love, it is gripping, the goodness of God is gripping onto these people and motivating them. So when we talk about this, when we say the following things, when we talk about the community we want to be, it is all driven out of a motivation by the awesome power of God. And man, if you're in this room and you've become callous to the things of God, when you see someone get saved and you're just like, that's pretty cool, 
when you sing words out loud and you remember when you were saved, you're like, that's, you know, that's fine. But like sports is also cool or this thing's also cool. It is the awesomeness of God that brings people into fellowship with other believers. It is the power of God, the awesomeness, the power of him that brings people together. If you're not gripped by the awesomeness of God, it may be hard for you to read this and understand. And there's moments and times where we be, all become callous, when we all uh, become, you know, to, easy to forget. That's why we actually have to gather to remind each other of the awesomeness of God. So we can't overstate this before we dive in. There's three things, three things specifically in this text that I want us to highlight. Uh, three things. God's spirit-filled church is a community that does three things from this text that I see. This isn't an exhaustive list, right? This isn't like the definitive, this is how we do church forever. Like this is exactly what we see from this text. But the spirit-filled church is a community that does three things, I think, from this text. Verse 42 and verse 43, we just read it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So number one, God's spirit-filled church is a community that is learning. It's a community that is learning. God's spirit-filled church is a community that is learning together. Our community needs to be committed to the authority of God's word above all else. And that's what makes Christian uh, gatherings, that's what makes the church different than like other clubs or other things or other things like that, you know, or like, uh, you know, the reality is the church of God submitting to the authority of God this, this is our playbook, so to speak. This is, our, uh, this is our vision. This is our goal. It's all found through the words of God. People are committed to the apostles' teaching. I think it's really interesting that the very first thing that we see, these 3,000 people get saved, and they are now committed to learning together. They're committed to learning together. Because once you become a Christian, it's not some instantaneous download into your brain, Right? It's not like when you receive the Holy Spirit, it's not this, it is a miraculous thing, but it's not a thing where you're like, now I know everything about life, godliness, the Bible, how to be a better Christian, how to be a better person. I know all of it now. No, it's a learning process. It's a lifetime of learning. The very first thing we see here mentioned, and they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching Man, a spirit-filled community going after Jesus, running towards Christ, they're committed to learning. We have to be humble enough to try and learn. We have to be humble enough to listen to God's word all the time. And we have to submit to the authority of God's word. Because this is our playbook, right? Like if you join a football team and you spend every single practice like debating the rules of football, it's like, what? Like, this isn't gonna go well, right? Like if you don't know, like you catch the ball and then you run and you get the touchdown, like, all right, I gotta stop trying sports metaphors on you guys. Like I, just, I don't get it, you don't get it, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so like, but like, you get what I'm saying. If you can't agree on like the authority of the rules that you're playing with or the authority of what should be happening, you're not gonna get very far. And so we as a people need to do this thing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We need to be humble enough to constantly be learning. That's why I love our mission statement. We're a community of students learning to live for Jesus Christ. Being a Christian, we submit to a community that is learning. We agree that what God says in his word goes. We agree that the things that the Bible says is good is good and the, the things that the Bible says is bad is bad. We submit to it as our ultimate authority and we want to learn from it. We want to learn from it all the time. 
It's not something instantaneously that happens, right? This is why we value this time right here, opening up the Bible, listening, speaking to one another about the truths of Scripture. Why? This is why we do it all the time, because we have to be reminded, and we are always learning. Man, some of the people who have been following the Lord for the longest that I know feel like they barely even scratched the surface on the things to know about God, and it's true. You can spend years studying Scripture devoting yourselves to, uh, to going to church, to dwelling in scripture every single morning, and you will always be learning. No one graduates from the Christian life. No one graduates from understanding or loving God's word. We're a learning community. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship together. What I think is really interesting is, is the, the apostles are teaching. The apostles are teaching, God has set up specifically Peter, right, on this rock that I will build my church. There's a hierarchy, there's a a very clear governance in the early church, and God has given the people who actually saw him, who actually walked with him, who talked with him, the authority over teaching. I think that's absolutely beautiful. The apostles would have seen Jesus, and they would have talked to him. They would have spoken to him. And now they're telling other people about him. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine being in the early church and maybe not seeing Jesus, maybe seeing him from a far off distance or hearing about him. And then all of a sudden you get to talk to like Peter or you get to go to a sermon by John and you get to sit under their teaching. What was Jesus like? What what was it like on that boat when you thought you were going to die and then Jesus calmed the storm? What did you feel like? Man, when you got to hear him teach, on the mountainside, when he taught about the Beatitudes, when he taught about loving God and loving others, what, what, what went through your heart? Man, when you saw him get arrested, how did you feel? When you saw him again, what was it like? Could you imagine asking these questions and they are teaching? They're remembering the words of God and they're just repeating them back to these people. And we hear that and we think, man, how awesome would that be? How amazing would it be if I could just talk to someone who has seen Jesus? And we live in a Christian community. Something that makes us unique is we can look around the room. Sure, none of us have seen Jesus face to face physically, but we have all been with Jesus. If you know a leader in this room who has been following the Lord, they have sat at Jesus' feet listening to his word through the scripture and through his spirit. If you know a leader or a friend in this room who is a Christian, they know Jesus. They have heard the words of Jesus through this word. And we as a, as a community, we need to submit and commit to learning about Jesus from other people around us. Sure, we can't ask, what was it like to walk on water for a little bit and then get freaked out and fall back in the water, right? We can't ask people that. That hasn't happened to anyone in this room. But we can go to people and say, what was it like being with Jesus, praying to Jesus, laying at Jesus' feet in prayer when your mom or dad went to go be with the Lord? What was it like when you lost your job and you spent time with Jesus? What was it like when you had the biggest victory of your life and you got to praise the Lord for it? We get to do this as Christians. We get to share about the goodness of God with one another. Are you committed to learning about Jesus? How beautiful an image of that, to encourage one another, to speak the truths 
of scripture over people, to share in times, hills, you know, mountaintops and valleys, the hardest moments, the best moments. We've been with Jesus, especially the leaders in this room, right? Like if you're a seventh or eighth grader and you look up to your leader, they have been with Jesus. I know all your leaders. I know that they have spent time with God. I know that they know what he's like. We need to be, and you need to be, especially younger Christians, committed to learning and desiring to learn. Imagine that, the people who would have seen Jesus face to face. And then we're unique because we listen. You know, it's so cool. You get to see a Christian or meet a Christian. Maybe you've never met them ever in your life and they can tell you something about God and they can tell you a story that, about the goodness of God in their lives and you just get to be like, wow, I know that you know this guy. I know that you know Jesus and we can encourage and love one another through it. And so are you learning? Are you committed to learning? Are you desiring to learn about Jesus? What's the disciplines of your daily week look like? Your daily, you know, weekly walk with Jesus, does it consist of time where you're in God's word? Does it consist of time where you're pushing everything to the side and saying, God, you are the most important thing to me right now? It's learning. Devoted to the authority of God's word. Not half committed wanderers just trying to figure things out. No, they're committed, they're in. They are learning and living truth. They're not just listening, hearing, and observing. They're captivated and awestruck by the teaching and the works of the apostles. They're not calloused or uninterested. And this is a call to us. Is your heart calloused to the truth? Is your desire level to, to learn about the things of God at an all-time low? Man, I hope that's not true. I hope that's not the case. We are looking to learn so that's the first thing we observe. They're dedicated, right? They don't have it all figured out. They're still gonna be living life together, figuring all things out. So they're learning together. And number two, they are a community. They're a spirit-filled community that is caring for one another. They're a spirit-filled community that is caring. Verse 42, and then specifically also in verses 44, it says this. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Skipping down one to verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. Uh, God's people are supposed to care for one another. And I know that sounds like a pretty simple thing, but it's easier said than done, right? We can have difficulties, we can have struggles, but we need to be so awe-stricken by the power of God and by the teaching of his word that we can't help but care and love one another. These people who are you know, about to endure some pretty serious trials, right? It's been pretty hunky-dory so far, which means things were good. I realize maybe not everyone understood that. <laughs> things are great right now, it's seemingly. Things are not going to be so great here in a little bit, but they are already connected and caring for one another. The people of God, the church, needs to be caring for each other. When we are here at Citizens Youth, we need to be caring for one another. This isn't some sort of transactional relationship, right? If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. This is, we have one goal, we have one mission, and we are going to take care of each other. We're teammates, we're friends, and we're connected to one another in the fellowship. And that's what we need to be. That's the picture of the early church. That's the picture of who we need to be. Think about this. Daily, breaking bread, visiting the temple, 
praying together, serving others daily. Talk about commitment, right? The reality is you spend the most time thinking and talking and, and, and dwelling on the things that are most important for you in your life. There's, there's no other way to say it. The thing that is most important to you is gonna take up all your time. If it's sports, then you'll be thinking about sports. If it's your girlfriend or boyfriend, you're just gonna be thinking about them. You're gonna be wanting to be with them. You're gonna be thinking you know, of no one else. But the reality is, here in the early church, they're so awestruck by God. They recognize the mission of God. They recognize the family of God. And all they are thinking about is each other. All the things that the church are, it's not focused on themselves. It is focused on other people. Their caring community. God's spirit-filled church is committed to caring for one another. They're devoted to one another. It's not selfish. It's not allowing selfishness or pride to invade. It is allowing the love of Christ to fill their hearts so much that they actually get to go out and care for other people. Breaking in bread, reminding people of the goodness of God. It's a reference to communion. And back in uh, you know, the early church, it would have also been uh, an actual meal that they get to share together. Breaking bread, sharing in Jesus' communion, and then also sharing in a meal together daily. Do you have people that you're committed to do life with? Or do you think you can do it by yourself? And if you think you can do it by yourself, how is that going for you? And if you recognize that you can't do it alone, then how are you committing to a group of people? How are you being com uh, committed to a group of people? The reality is community is hard. Caring for people is hard, but it's always worth it. Maybe you're in the room right now and you're not willing to commit to a group of people, commit to a group of Christian brothers or a group of uh, Christian sisters because one, you don't really want to be challenged. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're at the point where you're like, I don't really want to be challenged in my faith. I don't really want that right now. Maybe you don't want to invest in others. Maybe you don't want to let other people know what is actually going on in your heart. But the picture we see here is of a church that not only is doing life together, they're eliminating other distractions. They're completely blocking out other things and they are now invested solely in one another. If you walk in to Citizens on Wednesday nights, and you think, all right, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of my time on Wednesday night? What can I get out of this time that I get to spend with my friends? Then you're gonna walk away super disappointed. If you walk in the church Sunday morning and think, man, what can I like, get out of this? What can I learn? How can I feel better about myself? How can I look cooler or smarter or whatever? How can I do this? You're gonna be super disappointed. If you think about that in life, you're gonna be royally disappointed if you walk into things expecting to nearly consume and to receive. And we see here a picture of a church, a group of people that are committed to other people, to the people around them. We talked about it a few weeks ago. It's a picture of humility. When pride invades, we say, okay, I'm gonna go to the top. I'm gonna focus on how I can be number one. But when humility rules our hearts, we say, how can I serve? How can I love? How can I be committed to my brothers and sisters? And we see this galvanizing thing, this uniting thing, this fellowship that is unprecedented. No other group, no other sports team, no other club, no other random group of people that hang out on Saturday afternoons can have what we can have if we are genuinely committed to the authority of God's word and caring for one another well. It's not going to exist in your life. There's a special place in our hearts that want church. 
that want the people of God, that want to humble ourselves, but are you letting pride get in the way of caring for other people? Some sort of disinterest. Oh man, if I act like I care, it kind of gets super awkward immediately. That's so, that is so lame. Oh, well, if I let people know what's actually going on in my life, they'll realize that like, I make mistakes and mess up. And it's like, yeah, they will. Well, if I start letting people in, if I start caring for other people, well, they'll know that I don't have all my stuff together. And neither did any of these people, but they are awestricken by God so much that they go out and they care for one another. Eliminating distractions, putting things away, making time together priority daily, right? We ask so often, maybe Sundays and Wednesday nights, but daily, imagine that. It looks different in the 21st century. Breaking bread, yes, genuinely taking communion together. We do it every Sunday. You know, uh, gathering together. It might look like texting, calling one another if you can't hang out. Encouraging one another, being committed to one another. Humility, through humility we can get there. But these, these group of people, they're, they're gathered together. Only when they're focused on one thing, right? When selfish motives get involved, it, everything goes crazy. But when one thing's in the center, when the Lord is at the center of it, his spirit is overflowing our hearts with joy, we can't help but serve one another. So the church needs to be caring. How are you doing caring for your brother or sister in Christ? How are you doing committing to the fellowship? Are you half in, half out? Are you walking in thinking, man, what can I get out of this? Or I'll go if that girl is there, if that guy is there. Or are you genuinely wanting to connect with people who on the surface, maybe you don't have a ton in common. You don't want to share in small group because it's like, maybe I don't really connect with this person. Every heart needs this. Every heart wants this. They committed to one another. So we see a church that's devoted, that is dedicated to the authority of God's word and to learning scripture. We see a, a church that is committed to caring for one another. And then finally, our last point, we see a church that is giving. We see a church that is giving. Verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as had need. In this moment in time, the early church decides. So like as these people are being added, as these three auditoriums full of people are now in the church, we have some people who are super rich. We have some people who, and probably a lot of people who didn't have anything, who needed help genuinely. And there wasn't a problem in that. There's, you know, a calling for the Christians to live life together. And so their solution here was to sell some things that they had and distribute what they needed to people, food, supplies, other spaces of living. Now, commonly, there's a few misconceptions about this verse where it says, see, we should all be living together, right? I do think we're very, very individualistic, you know, as Americans, as like semi-Portlanders or like Washingtonians or whatever, like even more specifically out here, we're super to ourselves and individualistic, but it's not so in the kingdom of God. We contribute we, when a friend needs something, right? And this was willing. This wasn't something that was forced on them. If I forced you to do it, it's like, well, what's the point? But out of generosity and the overflow of your heart, if you're willing to put other things away for the goodness of your fellow Christian or someone who is in need, that is genuinely acting like the church. You cannot separate generosity and, and church. It, they need to go together. The church needs to be generous constantly. So here in this moment, right? And so 
one of the things people say is, wow, none of that, they were all homeless then. Well, that's not specifically true. It says here that they gathered in homes still. And so evidently many people still had homes, but many of them maybe did sell their homes to help provide for the needs of other people. And then we see later in Acts that uh, this lifestyle wasn't specifically continuing, but the, the, the genuine truth is still there. The, the church needs to be giving. You need to be giving. Yes, financially, you need to be giving of your finances. We believe it's biblical. We believe that it's uh, biblical to give of your time, to give of your, uh, you know, encouragement, your words, to give away the things that you hold uh, precious. We need to be in the habit of generosity. We're devoted towards giving to others, not hoarding onto temporary treasures. Imagine that, a picture of someone holding on to just just the things of this world, holding it close, so close to their heart for so long, and all of a sudden they die, and they can't bring anything with them at all. Imagine that, hoarding up treasures on earth only to watch them fade away after you die, or probably fade away at some point here on earth as well. No, the church is called to give. Are you generous with your finances, your time, your encouragement? Are you generous towards other people? Are you constantly trying to accumulate possessions or status or things of this world that just are not going to last? We're supposed to be giving, not hoarding onto temporary treasures. Like I said before, if you walk in and you're like, man, what, what can I get from this? What, what can I receive? Is it more popularity? Is it more like a shallow friendship? You're gonna be super disappointed. But when you walk into a church, say, what can I give? How can I serve? How can I give up the things of this world for things that will never spoil, perish, or fade? Then you're gonna have the mentality. Then you're going to have the heart that is just overflowing with joy and overflowing uh, just abundance, uh, just, just so much more full than if you were trying to hold things so closely to your heart and to your, to your temporary possessions. Do you view things as, you know, the things that you're blessed with? Okay, so cars, finances, things that you have. Those things are not bad, but do you view those things as tools or do you view them as treasures? Because if you view them as tools, your life would be a lot different. And if you view these things as treasures then your life is going to be evident of that. If you have this brand new car, maybe your parents help you buy a brand new car, and you're like, man, it is my goal to keep this thing protected and to use it at all times for myself and the things I want. If you have a part-time job and you're making a decent amount of money and you're looking at that bank account, and you're like, all right, that's pretty good for a high schooler, right? Or if you have these things or if your family has wealth, do you view those things as tools or do you view those things as treasure? Because if you think of money as a tool, you will think, what can I use this for to provide for God's kingdom? This car that I have, how can I help? Like, maybe someone can't make it to church. I can, you know, an act of worship would be using this car that I have to drive them to church. Man, I'm making like 15 bucks an hour at this new job. It's pretty awesome. I, every week, can give, you know, 150 bucks you know, in this tithe bucket. You know, I, I have this awesome house where I can host a Bible study here. It's not this picture of hoarding onto these things as, you know, treasures and these things that matter. It's viewing these things as tools. How can I advance God's kingdom? The status I have, the voice I have in my friend group, my leadership skills, my finances, all these things, they are tools to be used in building God's kingdom. And maybe a takeaway tonight Maybe there are some things 
that you physically need to say, I, I don't need this. Like, I can get rid of it. You know, and maybe instead of going to BlackRock four times a week, I can actually genuinely put $5 in this bucket. We are seeing here, you know, in the Portland area, just an influx and, and a, just an alarming amount of, of people who are experiencing homelessness. And it breaks my heart and it's, it breaks the heart of many of us in this room. That's why this month we are doing this initiative. We're, we're putting these baskets together, these blessing bags, and we're, we're going to give this. Like this, what I'm holding right now is going to go to someone and someone's going to hear the gospel when they receive this. And they're going to think, someone put this thing together. Someone spent money, yes, five, ten bucks at least, but they gave this to me because they love Jesus. That's kind of weird. And many people, I believe, are going to know the gospel because of it. And so maybe a genuine takeaway today is I, you know, I'm going to actually like give some stuff to the church. I'm genuinely going to give of my time. I'm going to give of that five, 10, 15, 20 dollars. I'm going to pick up a card and I'm going to donate the things that I don't actually need because that is what it is to be the church. So we see a church that's learning under the authority of God. We see a church that is giving of their time. We see a church that's genuine uh, or uh, uh, just giving of things all the time. We see of a church that is uh, committed together to one another. Friends, this is what we want to be at Citizens Youth. And so what is it here in verse 46 and verse 47? And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Imagine that, giving things away and being glad and generous. So often we say, if I get more, I'll be happier if I just receive more, no, I'm giving things away and I'm glad and generous. Praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The people of God, when they're committed to the things of God, they're watching God expand and grow the church and they're praising God because of it. They are losing earthly possessions and becoming more and more glad of who God is and what he is doing in their community. Imagine that. Picture that in our lives right now. Giving things away, giving our time, giving of our talents, and watching the Lord bless what we sacrifice. We need to be committed to one another. The call to the Christian life is a call of community. That's our main idea. That's what I think this text is communicating to us. The call of the Christian life is a call to community. Everyone wants that. Everyone needs this, this koineo, this fellowship, this generosity, this group of people. I promise you, you need it. To live the Christian life alone isn't really to live the Christian life. And it's weird and awkward sometimes. And there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be hiccups in the road. But do not let that distract you from the work that God is doing. So as we close tonight, we have to ask ourselves a few questions. These three things that we talked about, a church that's learning, a church that's caring, a church that is giving. How am I doing in this, right? Because, you know, it's not like, you know, we are the church. The people of God gathered together is the church. It's not saying, okay, yeah, maybe we should tell this person who's in charge that they should change this thing about church. No, how can I be more uh, giving? How can I be more generous? How can I care more? How can I, uh, you know, learn more closely from God's word? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves. So you're devoted. Are you committed? Are you half in or are you half out? I know it's like not cool to commit to anything anymore. 
right? Like to genuinely go all in and be excited about something that's kind of lame and kind of hokey. But what if it's the most important thing that you actually need to live the Christian life? Should you be kind of excited and committed about it? What if there's some things that it is totally okay to go all in on? We act all the time like other things that aren't as important are actually important. But what about genuinely investing in this ministry? How many lost would we see saved? How many people would we see reached with the gospel? How many more seats would we have filled and people hearing about the gospel or having needs practically provided for them? They were committed. They devoted themselves to the teaching and to the kaneo, the fellowship of one another. It's what, every, it's what every heart wants. And it's what we can be here at Citizens. So are you committed? Do you recognize the need? All I can do is tell you about the goodness of God. I, I can tell you, I can explain it. But until you're convinced for yourself, until you recognize that you need this word and you need this, you're not gonna see it. They were all struck in by God. Everyone needs this connection. It is so much more than just like weird, shallow conversations over coffee or whatever. It is so much more than potlucks with people in some lobby somewhere. It is a lifestyle that fulfills and satisfies our heart when we recognize that Christ is the head of the church and he's given us each other to do this life with. How would that change your life? How would that change your heart? Let's pray together. God, we love you. Thank you for the fellowship of Christians, the fellowship of one another. God, I pray that we would be committed. God, would we not act like this isn't important? Would we not be distracted by things that aren't important? I pray that we would devote ourselves to gathering together constantly. God, if there's distractions that happen, school, work, whatever, as important as some of those things may be, God, let us remember what is most important. God, help us to be genuinely uh, you know, honest and excited about being and gathering together here. Help us to be learning. Help us to be caring and help us to be giving. Help us to care for one of our friends in this room tonight. Help us to give. God, this initiative we're doing, help us to you know, pick up a card at the end of this and, and come back with things to give. God, I pray that you would give us more time to learn under your word. If school is so much that we can't learn, I pray that you would allow us to have the courage to say, you know what, maybe school's not, not as important as learning from your word. God, if I'm hanging out with my friends so much, like maybe they're not as important as you help us and help these students to think those thoughts, lead your spirit to, to convict us in places where we need to be convicted. And help us, Lord, to be devoted to this fellowship, to being together, to learning, 